Welcome to Talking Dogs. I'm Clint. And I'm Daniel. And we are two guys who love UGA sports. One of us is from the South. And one of us is from the West Coast. One of us is a lifelong Georgia fan. One a more recent convert. But we both share a borderline obsessive, often ridiculous desire to see UGA succeed just like you. This podcast is a place to talk about the dogs the way you would. At a tailgate, in the backyard, or over a drink with your friends. Are we insiders? Nah. Do we have lofty recruiting connections? Nope. We are just two guys who love talking about the dogs, so let's talk. Hello and welcome to the Talking Dogs podcast. I'm Daniel. And I'm Clint. Clint, football is upon us. This is it. We are here. There are football games this week. College football games are happening this week. This is not a drill. Clint. No, it's not. Uh, I mean, they're not any good, the college football games, but we're still going to watch do, them. Do you care if they're good right now? I, I don't care. No, I do not care one bit about the quality of games that we're going to be seeing. Uh, I only care that there are going to be scholarship athletes on the field competing for, for conference titles uh, in, in, a, in a mere five days. From That's now. it. Uh, it's as if Georgia has a bye week this week. We're going to watch college football, mm. but but Georgia's not going to play. But then next week, we are. We are going to play. So there's lots to discuss from the team. Uh, but there's nothing really to discuss that we, that we should get into before we talk about Zamir White and that situation. Uh, look, we're not... We are not the guys that are going to come in here and break down all of Kirby Smart's press conferences or all of the team news that happens. Uh, there are plenty of people out there who do a magnificent job of that, and I'm sure you listen to them, and uh, we also listen to them. Uh, but but this a situation like this, uh, we got to talk about it a, a little bit, Clint, yeah. because this is a this is a disaster situation it really is if you're not thinking to yourself this is awful this is horrible if you're telling yourself and coaching yourself that we have a stable of running backs which is true we do uh but don't neglect the fact that a young man has had a second acl tear a five-star highly recruited beloved already looking to get in and perform year one uh, has had his his college career set back this is devastating for him and and for us, uh, but don't don't bypass the idea that this is horrible and hard for a lot of people. Yeah, I think I think the important thing to remember is that you don't in this case you don't have to talk yourself out of anything. No, because two things can be true at the same time. Can they not? Cl thing number one is Zamir White may have been, and some people who are in the know believe him to have been the best running back in the program. Not in terms of potential, but like right now, he's the best running back available to Georgia in the program, and he's gone. This is, this is a devastating blow to Georgia. That is true. And what is true is we have lots and lots of talent at the running back position, uh, and so th this is not going to stop us from winning any games. 
this year. No. This will not be the thing that we look at, uh, barring further injuries to tailback. This this will this will not be the thing that keeps us from winning the national championship or the thing that keeps us from winning the SEC. Uh, I, and so both of those things can be true. There's no need to try to talk yourself out of one or the other or take a side right. in that m- mental debate uh, because there's no, there's no denying that this kid was supremely talented uh, and by all accounts was, was looking like he was going to be ready to go at least early in the season, if not right away in the season. Yep. So this is, a, this is a big blow to Georgia. This is a huge blow. He was that. DeAndre Swift has been talked about as the one foot in the ground, get uphill, in a hurry kind of guy. Zamir White is what was the the guy looking forward to getting five yards up the middle, getting the six yards in heavy traffic, carrying some people, breaking off a couple of long runs. Um, that's what we were looking to him as um, kind of a I don't know how exactly to describe him because we haven't seen him play it yet, so I don't know exactly the parallel. But now that shifts to Elijah Holyfield. Uh, he's going to be Absolutely. that bell cow. I, I was going to ask you who you thought was going to get the most carries increased in their workload as a result of this. And you're Elijah, saying Holyfield. Holyfield, hands down. Uh, Brian Harrion is, uh, to me, the best. He's going to get drafted hopefully later on as – exclusively a third down back in the NFL. That's what Brian Harrion is. Uh, assignment guy, skill, um, could catch a ball. Like I don't know if he's actually going to be drafted, but that's the type Brian of Brian Harrion ain't going to get drafted. <laughs> right. I, but, I, I, <laughs> I don't know what. I, mean, I, I Look, I love the kid. I hope he does get drafted. He's got a phenomenal story. I, he's an impossible guy not to root for. Right. Uh, as a Georgia fan especially. But bro, brother he, ain't getting drafted. I don't right. know what. <laughs> right. Uh, I should have said he has <laughs> he has the skill set in college to what a third down yeah. back is in the NFL. He may be taking set. handoffs from Johnny Manziel in the yeah. Canadian Football League. But, hey man, do you? But, yeah. Um, uh, but anyway, so he's gonna have he's gonna have some increase, but not to the same level. Elijah Holyfield stock just shot up with this. He's gonna be looked did. upon to tote more attempts than he had previously. Ben yeah. in the game plan, and we need him to step up to that to that challenge. It's extremely likely that on Saturday afternoon, uh, when Zamir White went down with that injury, ten new muscles just miraculously appeared on Elijah Holyfield's body in preparation. You, you said miraculously, and I say just out of sheer will. Like the guy Correct. was sitting down watching all this happen, and he just bowed his head real quick, and there was mm-hmm. like this aura that came mm-hmm. about him, and then yeah. it just started yeah. popping out. <laughs> uh, look, we don't want to spend all day on this. I, I just want to say, and I know, Clint, you agree with this, and I know that our listeners will agree with this as well. If you think you know more than Ron Corson about yeah. a person's readiness to play football yeah. coming back from an injury. Mm-hmm. You, my friend, are an idiot. <laughs> Go away. Just, you, you're a moron. If you think that you are in a better place to judge whether or not a person coming back from a knee injury is ready to play football or play on special teams or cover a punt or do any of the things that Zamir White was doing, 
look, Georgia fans, there's gonna there are Twitter exists for trolls. That's yeah, that is the reason that it exists. And so Also, can we just no, ask you to follow us on Twitter, you trolls out there? Yes, correct. <laughs> uh at Dogs Podcast on Twitter. Just but look, we see all the same things that you see on right. Twitter. And so if, if you're gonna let a former Atlanta Falcons C-list receiver or a, a, a Florida State fan for crying out loud Good or a, a, an Auburn fan, if you're going to let them get you worked up about, yeah. I mean, just it's you're an idiot. Ron Corson is the best in the business, and he has a lot of NFL players' knees to prove that he's the best in the business. All right. Yes. Like, there's no. We can trust him. All right. Kirby's going to play uh, five star elite level talent on special teams. And we're happy he does that because that's you, you why. You are happy, special... Georgia fan. Please be thrilled that Kirby has this policy in his Guys, mind. a five, a former five star starter, senior, blocked a field goal in the Rose Bowl game. I know that's Kirby. different than covering a punt, but there's. Look, we don't have time to get no. into it. You're, You're happy. Don't engage. Don't engage a person who wants to say think wants to think that they know more than Kirby Smart and Ron Corson about Zamir White's knees and walk what away his from them readiness right now. Yeah. Also, walk it's away not. from a fan that says, "Well, I can't believe they would do so on the same knee. How devastating for this kid." Just walk away from them too. Stop the conversation and be like, "You're you're done yeah. to me." So, Zamir White, we're going to move past it. Next year, uh, he will be hopefully fully recovered. Yep. Uh, there won't be any pressure uh, for him to try to come back. You know, if this had happened in the offseason, there would be this sort of like end of the year, could he get back for a game? He'll have a full year to recover. I, I don't imagine he'll do too much in the spring. No. And so he'll have till next year's fall camp to recover, and hopefully we'll see him back at 100% when he will be ready to uh, do what we've seen countless other people do, which was to come back from an injury like this and continue to be his dominant self. So yep. uh, moving on from Zamir White, uh, we got two things to talk about today. We are going to continue our countdown to the season. Guys, we're less than two weeks away from Georgia playing football as we previously mentioned. So we will have our two-week countdown a little bit later. We'll finish with some trivia, as we always do. But uh, before that, Clint, it's time for us to dive back into the cesspool that mm. is SEC fan bases. Get, uh, your, we, get your white suit zipped up. Get the toxins. Gosh, the hazmat, the hazmat uh -huh. suit is on, and we are ready to just go neck deep in filth. Yeah. As we discuss uh, numbers eight through five on the 13 grossest fan bases in the SEC. Quick recap. Uh, so far, my list stands as follows. At number 13, I have Mississippi State. At number 12, I have Texas A&M. At number 11, I have Mizzou. At number 10, I have Vandy. At number nine, I have Arkansas. My list... 13, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, 12, Kentucky, Mizzou, Arkansas. That gets us all the way up to number eight. Uh, you can go back and listen to episode 
seven of this podcast is when we uh, revealed. If you want to hear more of our thoughts about those five fan bases, you can go back and listen to episode seven. Please do, because part this of countdown. being a fan is excited for your team, but also being part of a fan is hating deplorable other fans. That's part of your it's, fandom. Accept and it's, it. it's, it's knowing what, what it is about. It's being specific. Anyone yes. can say you're gross, but it's being able to be specific specific about why another fan base is gross. So yes. with that said, let's, let's jump into number eight. And at, mm-hmm. at number eight, I'm going to go with the LSU Tigers okay. of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, look, there's nothing, there's no way of getting around that Spelling go, G-A-U-X, <laughs> is so gross. I mean, just when you think of the word gross, that, that's about as gross of a thing. And the, and the fact that that's a staple of the Tigers fan base is, it, it, it makes it difficult for me to rank them any lower on this list. I really struggle between actually Arkansas at 9 and LSU at 8. Yeah. Almost had those two teams flip-flopped. Because LSU, I don't know where you have them on your list, Clint, but to me, they're just, they're they're not as offensive to me. And I think it's because, you know, there's a saying, the enemy of my enemy mm-hmm. is my friend. Yeah. And Florida and LSU have this every have this rivalry. And so every year, I, I can put it in the bank. I'm going to get to cheer hard for LSU at least one game. Yes. every season because they're going to play Florida and I'm going to be cheering for Florida to be embarrassed by them. And so, uh, look, I got to, Mike, the tiger is sure. freaking awesome. Yep. And, uh, most underrated aspect to LSU is that midfield logo. Oh my that word. Tiger's eye that just bleeds into the turf. That midfield logo guys Look, the fan base is gross. They are all just backward Cajun uh, go Tigers, but but that midfield logo is pretty awesome. So I couldn't move them any higher on my list than eight. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna speak. I'm gonna tell you where I have them because we're on LSU because you're here and I have the I have them at number seven. Seven is where I have LSU. So okay, not my eight. Pretty close. Here's why. LSU plays some big boy football, the style in which they play. It's not gross that they're saying they're trying to accelerate themselves up to a, a standard, which they're not. They're, they've been a good team before. So, fan, if you've seen some good things happen, seen some good coaches, good players, good on you. That midfield feathering of the paint, I don't know who's doing that, that light feathering, but yeah. can you come paint my car or something like that? Because it's it's outrageous. Uh However, making up words like you are Shakespeare, uh, uh, making yourself to become uh, Shakespearean in your wordplay and spelling and jamming of things together. Uh, here's the deal. If you want me to take you seriously, you know what I got to do first? I have to understand you. Mm, and, correct. And if I don't That's... know what terms you're using or how you're spelling things or you say a word and it means something totally different i'm not saying that's wrong i'm just saying i don't get it you have to educate me on something and now we're spending 10 minutes going through how to spell instead of actually talking football uh so uh, lsu fan you're not the worst 
You're not the greatest. You're not the worst. I, I have an LSU fan, or I had an LSU fan live across from my street uh, last couple of years, uh, and he had he had a similar game day to me. He had his flag out every single day. Uh, unfortunately, his soon-to-be wife was an Oregon fan, and so she had her Oregon flag right next to oh, LSU flag. Dear. Which, uh, hey, the sacrifices Disaster. we make for love, you know. Uh, <laughs> True. Um, uh, so Joe was phenomenal. He was a great, great fan. But listening to him talk about traditions of crawfish and and words and things like that, I was just I was lost. It's not. So, yeah, they're just right. They're right in the middle of the pack. Right in the middle. In yeah. terms of gross fan bases. So who uh, you got at number eight? My number eight. Uh, it, this is gross only for the perceived understanding I have about Old Miss. Mm. Old Miss for me mm. is number eight because here's what I imagine when I think Old Miss fan. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. Uh, blue boat shorts, mm-hmm. white boat shoes. You're on it. Mm-hmm. White polo. There it is. Red visor. Okay. Uh, collar up on polo. Mm-hmm. Real crucial. 100% starched. <laughs> starched, ironed out. Mm-hmm. Uh, not mm-hmm. by the actual fan himself, by some other person that he got to do it for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's beneath him. He's he's mm-hmm. He's the guy that is reading a newspaper and sipping on a wine cooler at the tailgate. Mm-hmm. Correct. Who, wine cooler is essential. It's essential yes. for the old Miss fan. Uh, mm-hmm. So that type of fan to me, while it is not offensive in the standard manner of the term offensive, it is certainly gross that that is allowed in college football still in any capacity. Any one of those things I just spoke about, except maybe the color of somebody's shorts, all of that combined together as you're cheering on for football should never be allowed. Not not kosher in but, my book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I have Ole Miss coming in at number seven, okay. uh, and and so perfect time just to piggyback right off of what you're saying. Uh, there's not there's not a ton specific to say about Ole Miss. No, they are just gross, and there's not and there's there's no way for me to feel differently about them. Ole Miss, you know the guy that comes into the to the YMCA. And he's 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 dressed the part. He's got the basketball under his arm, and he's got the expensive shoes on, and he's rocking the headband. And he comes in. He maybe does a little fancy dribble on the side. Uh-huh. And this guy, you know, is sure that he is better than every other person at the YMCA. But then homeboy gets out there on the court. And it's all smoke and mirrors, man. It's Can't not. There's nothing. There's nothing in there. And yet, in his mind, even as he's absolutely embarrassing himself in his mind, he's still dominating oh, on yeah. the court. This is Ole Miss, but specifically when it comes to classiness, mm-hmm. I believe that Ole Miss is a fan base believes themselves to be incredibly sophisticated and classy. They believe themselves to be so elevated above other fan bases, and yet they're freaking University of Mississippi, Clint. Come on. It's, it's, it's so embarrassing for them to watch them pretend to put on, you said it with a wine cooler and the, 
the shan the chandeliers at the tailgates. Yeah, just come on, guys. Just go away. You know Please. what I'm saying? I'm not saying the Grove is not a real fun fun time on a Saturday. Okay? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that as a fan base, maybe know thyself a little bit. Maybe maybe have a little bit of self awareness to know that you ain't you ain't that. Okay? No. Uh, Clint, I'm gonna let you go first at number six because I think I'm. I mean, I'm 99% sure I know who you have at number six because I've been keeping up with your list. So I'm gonna let you go first, at number six, before we get to mine. Number six is Texas A&M. Is mm-hmm. my number six fan base. Here's why. Gig, gig'em. 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 Okay. First of all, <laughs> first of all, Texas A&M. You're not even the best school in your state. You're new to the SEC. Relatively speaking, do not tell me how powerful your program is for long-standing tradition. Stop doing it. It's okay. See, fan doesn't understand. Texas fan, fan doesn't understand. You can just tell me you like your school and you think you'll get to respectability. Don't try to coerce me into believing that you have history of big boy football on your side. The story of the 12th man, while cute and fun, and maybe you can use somewhere else, if that is the only moniker people understand you about, uh, great. I, I don't I don't care about it. And the number of times I've heard, I've met Texas A&M fan up here in the Northwest, uh, decry Seattle Seahawks for having the 12th man and saying, we had it first, and, and try to fight on that. Like, I, I didn't even bring the fight to them. I said, hey, oh, Texas A&M, cool. And they're like, we had it first, you know. Like, what? What, what oh, do you mean, man? I don't. Right. Okay. What, what, do you, cool. what do you have first? Oh, the we won, as, a, as the Seattle Seahawks, you might say, we won something one time. One time we actually went to that. We, the, we, the won, we won a thing. We won a How thing. How about you? No, you haven't? Okay, cool. Oh, you have Lassie as your mascot? <laughs> oh, okay. That's cute. If I yeah. fall down a well, I'll be sure no, to call you. Other exactly. If little Timmy is ever stuck in a well, Texas A&M is your go-to fan base. You're you're on Dennis. you're on it, man. Uh, mm-hmm. And it just it infuriates me to listen to Texas A&M fan try to. It, it's like the guy that hasn't done a thing you're talking about. Maybe it's fishing or golfing, and he pops in the conversation. And as you're midway through somebody else that you really enjoy talking, he goes, "Oh yeah, I know, right? Isn't that so great?" You're like, what? you're like, you're like bro. Are you even here? What are you, were you? Are, even, you here? are you? Oh, I didn't even realize you were standing there. Oh, okay. You you cool. may go now. I, I don't know. It's like Tombstone. You may you may go now, Johnny. <laughs> I I don't, I don't get it. So so Texas A&M fan, just embrace the fact that you are not who you think you are, uh, mm. and instead mm. embrace who you are. That's great. And try to win something, and then come talk to me. Yeah. I can't believe you made it through that whole thing without saying the word Jimbo. No, I, I, I just I, that's a Daniel. I, I because you get this a little is a heated, starting to get blood real. pressure. Oh, Jimbo! Blood pressure starts to rise. I watched uh, last Last Chance You uh, on Netflix, and mm-hmm. uh, Malik Henry is on it this season, and they had uh, the video, the little shots of Jimbo in there. And every mm-hmm. time he came on, my head instinctually started shaking back and forth. No, <laughs> just just without a doubt, it was the easiest, mm-hmm. most muscle memory thing in the world. Uh, I hate Jimbo Fisher. 
All right, we're up to my number six, and I got to tell you, uh, this is there's a hard line it's on coming. my list here, where every school I've talked about so far is not even in the same neighborhood as the schools that I'm about to talk about. There is a, it is a two-tiered system in the SEC, and these next six fan bases, two of which we'll talk about today, the last four of which we'll talk about next week, these these next six fan bases are, to me, the cream of the crop, the absolute grossest, and it's not even close. So while Ole Miss came in at number seven, do not mistake that I believe that Ole Miss is even remotely close to the school I have at number six because they are not. And the school I have at number six is South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, South Carolina, let me just let me just say some words and, Please. and let the feelings begin to build. Okay. Cocky. Mm-hmm. Sandstorm. Oh, my. Oh. Steve Spurrier. Stop. Steven Garcia. Stop. Okay. South Carolina as a fan base is the reason that they're number six and not number five, four, three, two, or one is because of how ridiculous they are. Because that you can't be, in my mind, you can't be that gross if you're just nothing but lunacy. No, no one in the history of college football has talked more while winning less mm. than South Carolina. And it, guys, it's not even close. South Carolina was the 1969 ACC champions. Their record was 7-4 and four that oh, year. Stop. That's the only championship they've ever won. <laughs> guys... That's it. The 1969 ACC champion. Think about the extent to which you hear South Carolina fans talking. And the last time they won something was in 1969, and it was the ACC, and they were 7-4. and four. They won the East one time in the history of being in the conference in 2010. They played Auburn in the SEC championship game. They lost fifty-six to seventeen. I mean, they they gave come on. They gave up fifty-six. The only time they even sniffed the SEC title. South Carolina is ludicrous. The extent to which their fan base believes that they are relevant, and yet continually proves to the world that they are. No. The the little brother of Clemson. And the Clemson just inf- took offense to that, by the way, but yes, the, I agree. The absolute inferior fourth wheel in the <laughs> SEC East. <laughs> South Carolina fans, I don't like it's just it's silly the extent to which they are gross and ridiculous. That's number six on my list. Okay, D- Daniel, run through for me really quick. Because I'm trying to guess your 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 order for the rest of the time. Uh, yeah, you run, know run that through. I've there's somebody left out, and you can't figure out who. I can't I can't figure is. out, and it's we'll it's get a, there. We'll get we'll get there. Well, give me we'll, six we'll through thirteen real quick. Just just run it down for me again. 
Well, I'm not going to give you six through thirteen because then you're going to know who's coming next. <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm going to make gotta, you. I'm going to make you sweat it out. I got to uh, go give back me and listen your, to my own podcast. That's give, give me your number five, and then I think when I give you my number five, all your questions will be answered. Okay, good. Okay, good. Uh, my number five is South Carolina. Five for me is South Carolina. Wow. Yeah. Wow. This is a shock, guys. This I, is a shock. You guys are not as as close of friends with Clint, clearly as I am, but. I expected South Carolina to be in the top two uh, in, it, on Clint's list. It was at one point because here's the deal. You know the guy who comes to a stoplight and he's got his windows down and he's got his puka shell necklace on, uh, his sleeves rolled up to have the sun give him a tan, and his music is blaring circa 1999, whatever song was cool for mm-hmm. him or her at mm-hmm. that time. Um, uh-huh. And he has half a sticker of USC on the back of his car, but half of it's falling off. And he hasn't mm-hmm. gone through and put a new one on. Uh, yeah. And the music is blaring and he looks over to you and just does a head nod up. That's that South Carolina fan in my mind. The most obnoxiously silly fan not not the grossest clearly they're number five but they are the most obnoxious to me because how am i supposed to talk to you about that when you got techno music blaring during your kickoff and you mm. want to be at a rave more so than you want to be at a football game you know what dude you should just go do some e in your dorm room with your friends and enjoy the day <laughs> I, why are you out here why do you think that stupid rooster crow is something we want to hear and why do you want to hear it? You don't just... Okay, you don't Has there hear ever it. been anything less intimidating than that rooster crow <laughs> I, in, I a, hear in that. a stadium? If you think, if your goal is not to intimidate somebody, but to rather say, we're just going to, we're going to literally henpeck you to death. Mm. Just paper cut annoy you. That's, it, no, nothing's more, nothing is less intimidating than a rooster crow. Uh, as a as a stadium fan, it's ridiculous. It's absurd. And then my last thing, uh, hey, remember that time you said Steve Spurrier, which I, I'm going to continue on. <sighs> Steve Spurrier was, I don't know, a, it could have been a good coach in your mind at mm. a stupid university. Whatever, I don't care about that. I care about this. Mm. In the twilight of his career, when all he wanted to do was go fishing mm. in a boat off some forgotten and- lake. And drink Pepsi at Kentucky Fried Chicken shirtless. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> Yes. <laughs> when he wanted to do that, they came to him and they said, hey, we'll give you a deal. For every time you take off your visor and slap it on something or someone, we'll give you 5K. How about mm-hmm. that? You want to come coach for us? And he said, yeah, I'll do that. I don't got to win any games or make a game plan or recruit mm-hmm. well. No, mm-hmm. just be on the sideline and be a mascot for us because our rooster sucks. Uh, I mean, he said yes. Do you remember that time he quit on your school, South Carolina fans, halfway through his last season just because he didn't want to anymore? And then he ran back to Florida so fast and is now beating the Florida drum as hard as anyone in the world could possibly just because that's who you are, South Carolina. You're nobody. You're nobody. You're just sadly nobody. Gosh, so much talking and so little winning of football so, games. So please get your program in order. 
South Carolina. All right, Daniel, I'm, or, I am or, sitting or don't. on or don't or just continue being you or and don't. continue coming up. Yeah, and, you, and do, you do you. You do you. All right, Daniel, I need uh, to know who's, who's your number five. Number five. And I'm going to be totally honest with you, but the top four is going to be the same, uh, maybe different orders. The top four is going to be the same, and I think almost every Georgia fan has a big four in the SEC. It's not difficult. Next week, we're going to get into the absolute uh, the absolute worst of the worst in the, in the big four. But coming in at a very close number five okay. is the University of Kentucky. That, yeah, this is, this is mystifying to me. Clint, no, it really isn't. The Kentucky fan base, I sincerely believe that there is no fan base in any sport that knows less about every other team in the world than their team than the Kentucky basketball fan. Okay. They do not care about anyone or any program because they are so entitled. They so believe that they have won every national championship that has ever been played in basketball. Okay. They are so entitled that they they don't even... I once heard two Kentucky fans at the SEC basketball tournament who were sitting in front of me. I once heard two Kentucky fans engaging in a serious five-minute conversation about where Auburn was what state it was in. And the conversation went back and forth, and seven different states were mentioned, none of which were Alabama. Oh, my word. This is Auburn. This is Auburn. They didn't know what state it was in. Somebody guessed West Virginia. Come on. What is happening? Come on. This is a, this is a team in your... This is, but that's Kentucky basketball fans in a nutshell. They literally probably, if you ask them to name every team in the SEC, they would maybe, the average Kentucky basketball fan would be able to name two. I, and after sure. that, they would start guessing Duke, sure. uh, North Carolina, UCLA. Are they in the SEC? Aren't they there? I don't, I don't know. Because, thing? That's uh-huh. Look. You've said you said when you mentioned Kentucky, uh, which I had to really hold my tongue as you, you were talking because well, you, 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 you for five seconds you didn't. I actually should have known. Looking back on it now, you kind of expose your cards a little bit, but, but I digress. You you said you never had you have never witnessed an obnoxious or gross Kentucky football fan, and do you want to know why you haven't done that, Clint? Because why? Kentucky basketball fans don't cheer for Kentucky football. Do you know who they cheer for? They cheer for freaking Ohio State. Or they cheer for Tennessee. This is real. This is real life. Kentucky basketball fans don't even cheer for Kentucky in football. Some Kentucky basketball fans cheer for Alabama in football. Just pause for one second. We have not gotten to Alabama on either of our lists. But can you imagine meeting a worse human being? than someone who is a Kentucky basketball fan and also an Alabama football fan. Can that you person, even imagine? No, I, I think that person would be the same person who his son or daughter is playing a high school sport and he has somehow got some action on the other team and took the other <sighs> team bet 
and it's now cheering against his own kin because he wants to make some money. That's what it sounds like you're saying about Kentucky football fan or basketball fan. Yes. Grow, look, I, I grew up in Atlanta, the Atlanta area. I uh, currently live in Nashville. Uh, and so I've been, the SEC basketball tournament has been in my hometown for quite some time, for many years of its existence. It's insane. Right. They're moving around to St. Louis. They're going to start moving around a little bit more now. But uh, the, the Kentucky fans that you see, they literally, they leave their houses to go to Kentucky games in Lexington and to go to the SEC tournament. But this is the only time that these people travel outside of the borders of Lexington, Kentucky. That I I sincerely believe that there's not a dumber fan base in all of sports than the University of Kentucky basketball fan. So they come in at number five on my list. They are knocking at the door of the truly elite gross fan bases. Daniel, I'm looking at my top four right now, and I don't know how I'm going to control myself to not talk about these people until we're back here again. Because it is truly an absolute... Cesspool doesn't begin to describe the four teams I'm looking at and their fans. It's truly deplorable. Uh, It really is. All right, well, that wraps it up for this week. Next Monday, a week from today, we will be back with our final four grossest fan bases in the sec you will likely not want to miss it uh we would love to hear from you your thoughts on where you have the teams that we've talked about ranked how gross you believe them to be do we have them too high do we have them too low on our list uh we'd love to hear your input your personal stories about how gross your interactions have been with a particular fan base because that's the beauty of this list, Clint. It's it, it, there's some there's some give and take to it. There it can is. be it's it's very personal. It's very it personal is, to it's, you. It's very experiential in the fact that you may have had a run-in with Vanderbilt. Fan Absolutely. That just colored everything for you. Absolutely. Uh, so we don't. And rightfully so. No, right. rightfully so. That's your it's your life. It's your experience. Far be it from us to tell you you're wrong, unless you don't have the same school I do at number one, and then you're wrong. But we'll get to that <laughs> next week. Clint, let's talk about a fan base that and a program that is not gross. Oh, let's talk oh. about the University of Georgia uh, for a little bit here. Let's get back back home. Let's focus inward a little bit. As we get ready for the season, uh, we're now less than two weeks until kickoff we've been counting down uh on every monday's episode for the last several weeks we've been counting down as we get close to the season we've talked about players that we're excited about we've talked about some matchups and some games um uh today we're gonna go a little projection we're gonna Mm -hmm. do a little bit of projection so we're two weeks to the season under two weeks to the season and so i want to take that number two and i want to talk about the first two rounds of this next year's NFL draft. Yes. All right. So rounds one and two of this coming NFL draft. Who are the players on this team? And we can just go back and forth and maybe name a few. Who are the players on this team, Clint, that you think have got a shot at being drafted in the first two rounds of this year's, not any NFL draft, but this year's NFL draft? We're talking about 
uh, third-year players and and beyond, draft-eligible right. guys, who are the guys that have a shot at being taken in the first two rounds of this NFL draft? I'll let you go first. Well, I think you got to start with what I am being told. Mel Kuyper has highly rated, uh, and that's our boy Baker. Uh, yeah. It apparently is is off the charts on a lot of, re- of these boards uh, for draft-eligible players. Um, Top corner in college football is what – in is what a lot of the top two, almost everybody I've seen has them top two corners right. in all of college football, which, hey, go get paid, son. Right. Hey, yes. if you can get it, go. Go have fun. So it seems like to me he is a lock for someone needing secondary help. It, you can never have enough secondary help in the NFL, pass happy all the time. So he's going to get paid. He's going to find a job. And it seems like he has the, the greatest likelihood. If I was making a bet, I'd put all of my chips on him being the most likely Georgia player coming out in rounds one or two, certainly by the end of round two, his name is getting called uh, almost an absolute guarantee, if not uh, late in the first round or mid mid first round. So I believe yeah. he is, he's the best shot. for. Who's I think, do that. I think you're absolutely right. I think he is to me, you might disagree. He's the only one I have as a lock on this list. So I, I have a lot of other, I have several other names that I think could play their way in to one of those spots, but this is not going to be like last year's draft, Georgia fans. I think we all know that. Uh, I think this roster, and that's a good thing for us, by the way. Oh, it's great. This is a good, that's a great thing for us. This roster, this is, by all accounts, the most talented University of Georgia team ever. So, Literally. the fact that we're not going to have a bunch of first-round picks on this team is, a great, is great news, but... I'm going to move from the lock category where I have DeAndre Baker, and I'm going to move to the uh, work left to do, but mm-hmm. it wouldn't shock me if he went out and did it. And I'm going to say your boy Elijah Holyfield oh, has got really? a shot to play his way into the first round. Now, hear me out. Elijah Holyfield has not been able to show anything in his two years at the University of Georgia so far. He has not been allowed to show anything except special teams, which he's done a great job of, by the way. Elijah Holyfield made a tackle on a punt in the Rose Bowl, which talk about highly recruited running backs playing on punt coverage, and nobody seemed to get really upset when Elijah Holyfield made a tackle in the Rose Bowl, but whatever. Uh, He hasn't been allowed to show anything. We both just said... This year, Elijah Holyfield is going to get a bunch of carries. There's no way around it. He's going to get a bunch of carries, and he's going to get a bunch of feature carries. So what what does that equal? That equals a running back who has very little wear Mm -hmm. on the tires, which NFL scouts love. NFL GMs love it when you have not carried a gigantic load uh, at your university because that means they get all those miles out of it. Correct. And he's going to have the opportunity behind one of the most dominant offensive lines we hope to have ever seen to get feature carries for a team that should be ranked in the top 10 for basically the bulk of the season. So what does that all add up to? You're telling me somebody's not, if he balls out this year, somebody's not going to burn a late second round pick on that guy? A guy who's got less than 100 carries in his college career? 
somebody's going to take him if he has a great year. So I think Elijah Holyfield could be one great year away from getting paid in the NFL. You know what? I When you first said it, I was, I was taken back by it. But I thought you would I, be. As I hear you say it more and more, he he's skilled. Guys, he's skilled. Just because he hasn't been able to crack it does not mean he doesn't have the talent. He has the talent. Um, he has the the work ethic that's clear to be able. Does to, he have to, the physique? Does he? I don't no. know. Let's let's <laughs> let's think about that real quick. Um, because the man just. I mean, if nothing else, uh, have him do some warm up laps in a in a crop top uh, and, and get a fan base going for you. You know, I don't know. Uh, no, he he is. He's absolutely. I, I'm. You've convinced me. Your your rhetoric right there has convinced me. He will be in the top two rounds, uh, and I'm looking. I don't. I'm not saying he will be, but if he has a great year, I think he could be. And I'm not. That, to me, it's not a guarantee he's going to have a great year. So don't. No, but, but misunderstand right. me. If he plays up to the level, and if Georgia plays up to the level of, of expectations, and if the spotlight is on our team and him. And he's, you know, brought in on a, such a crucial down, and he works hard for those four yards, and he breaks off one and shrugs a guy off his shoulder. That's going to be that. Those are the highlight moments. We talk about Heisman moments sometimes. Those are the moments in which GMs go, "Oh, okay, yeah. kid." And then he goes out and he has a good combine, and his numbers. Yeah. If he if he trains his butt off, gets a great. He's going to have, yeah, he's going to have some of those moments this year, though. Yeah. He's going to have some of those oh wow moments. Yeah. Yeah. Can he be consistent? Can he rush for a thousand yards? Yeah. That remains to be seen. But he's going to have some moments where you go, oh no, Elijah Holyfield just, he just did, a, he just Nick Chubbed that play yeah. all the way to the end zone. He's going to do that this year. So, all right, who else you got as a possibility? Well, yeah, the rest of the guys, I agree 100%. The rest of the guys are a very much crapshoot of it actually going to do it or not and here's i'm going to give you a name that is to me the most shocking on my list but the one i want to talk about because to me it's the most fun uh and that's natrez patrick hello i know it here's the deal natrez patrick could be not in our program at the end of the year so I'm, i'm talking about a guy who doesn't have the greatest likelihood of finishing the season on our team I, I understand that. But he is a senior. True. He, ha- he has a lot of talent and ability. He's got True. The, the, the new NFL prototypical body height weight index thing going on. He's fast. Uh, and I have seen, I don't know, Daniel, have you heard of a head case linebacker? being drafted and somebody taking a flyer on a head case linebacker that can fly around and hit people? Oh, yeah. The NFL has no shortage of drafting head cases at any position. But any position. No, to your but point, absolutely. inside linebacker. So I am not saying I would put any money on this. I'm not saying that one bit. But if I look and survey the the team, because the draft is, is speculation. It's all speculative. That's what you're doing in the draft. Yeah. You know, you're just trying to get as many lotto tickets as you can, yeah, and hopefully some of them hit. That's all you're doing. Uh, and if I if I had to go to the SEC, uh, if I went to pro day at at Georgia, and this guy somebody falls in love with him, 
uh, and somebody says to them, hey, look, we, we can find a spot for this guy, and he balls out, like truly and honestly balls out. Uh, back end of the second round, maybe maybe it's a 1% chance, but we, we haven't heard from Natrez in a long time. Uh, and if he comes on yeah. the scene and leads – a charge on defense. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not even saying he's going to get drafted, people. But all right, no, I think he's going to get drafted. Okay. I think he's going to get drafted. He's not going to get drafted in the first two rounds, though. Nature, he just hasn't. Yeah, I mean, he might prove us wrong, but I don't even know if he could do enough in one year to get drafted in the first two rounds. But he is going to get drafted if he plays and does decent. If he does well this year, I'm going to go with the guy that I think is next most likely. Behind DeAndre Baker. The next most likely to be drafted. So if I had to bet money on a second Georgia Bulldog being taken in the first two rounds, it would be Lamont Gilliard. I think Lamont Gilliard has got a real shot at being taken. And when you listen to offensive line guys, they love talking about Lamont Gilliard. right? And I'm not an offensive line guy. I uh, am a fan of football. I've been a fan of football for a long time. I can really appreciate and respect when I go and and watch uh, replays and I watch things slow down and I'm really able to appreciate what's happening in the trenches. But I am like many college football fans. I'm mostly, I'm most of the time I'm watching the ball, yeah. right? I'm watching the play as it develops. But when you get these offensive line guys, like Cole Kublik, whatever, on SEC Network. These guys are just enamored with Lamont Gilliard because he bulldozes people through the center of that line. He comes over and and chips on a double team with a guard and just moves a defensive tackle clear out of the play. Yeah, I think Lamont Gilliard, you know, he's former defensive lineman, and I think he's got a, that nasty, oh. that defensive lineman aggression and anger and hostility in him. And I think it serves him well. He is not, you know, this line is littered with five-star guys. And then there's just this guy in the middle who it, who, who just goes out there and moves people. That's all he does. And I it think... It seems like, to me, Gilliard is, is the new Andrews of this line. Uh, that's what it feels like to me. Andrews was never, in my mind, the most physically dominant offensive lineman we have but he's mm-hmm. playing for the pats right now and he did yeah. in the middle he was just taking people for a ride every single play uh and rose up the stock charts i, I have lamont as my number two as well on this list uh, i think he's got a good I, chance i wouldn't be surprised at all if somebody took him in the in the second round offensive linemen are obviously a premium position and you know he doesn't play tackle he's he he won't ever play tackle no. But he could play guard or center in the NFL. He's a bit undersized, but I think he's shown enough in the best league, the best competition college football has to offer against NFL D linemen consistently week in and week out. Yeah. You know, like you go up against, like Mississippi State is probably going to have three defensive linemen drafted Jeez. that were on last year's team. And Lamont puts a, he's got great film against all those teams. I think. It wouldn't surprise me at all if a GM went with him in the second round. Yeah, Lamont's a guy that as you're as you're scouting the the D line of Mississippi State for the draft, you keep on seeing this guy come up, and you're like, who 
who is that player for Georgia? And you're like, oh, Lamonigan. Oh, Lamonigan. Yeah. As you're scouting somebody else, and then all of a sudden somebody falls in love with him. I can see the same yeah. same narrative taking place. All right, give point. me one more. Let's maybe each do one more. You know, Daniel, I, this was really hard because there's so a couple of the cats on my list that have a wild card shot. Uh, Tyler Clark uh, has a wild card shot of of if he balls out and has a great combine. Edge guys, kind of the, the niche thought of that. But I, I believe in today's NFL, the most likely guy of all the – the rest of my names is Terry Godwin, and here's why Terry Godwin in my mind has a chance hmm. because he yeah, you have to sell mold. me on this, Clint. I, well, I, you have to sell mold. me. All right, he is in the mold of Isaiah McKenzie in my mind as a okay. draft stock player. So somebody who can give you punt and kick return, somebody who could be a slot guy, uh, the the Julian Edelman kind of feel to him. Uh, yeah, that's I, I, so. I don't think he will be in the first two rounds. I think he could be based upon other people's successes. A team like I don't know, a team that's that's really really good across the board, just completely sold out on on talent. Like uh, yeah. maybe maybe Kansas City Chiefs do a same thing uh, again, or or the Patriots, or the the Philadelphia Eagles say, you know what, let's just get another speedy guy that could sit in the slot for for Carson Wentz to throw the ball at. Uh, I'm not saying he will, but I'm intrigued yeah. by his play. I'm not saying he will. I hear you. I hear you. The Julian Edelman comp is 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 fair because I think he's got that undersizedness, but he's he's sure-handed and he is he's fast. He's got athleticism. He can run after the catch. The Isaiah McKenzie comp doesn't make a lot because the Isaiah McKenzie was a difference maker on special teams. He was dominant okay. on special teams. Terry he Godwin... Wasn't that, he wasn't that dominant. Isaiah McKenzie was pretty good at punt return. I mean, he was he he ran back some punts for touchdowns. He, he made some wild plays. And that's why the Broncos drafted him. Yeah, is to that, return that punts. was the only reason. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Uh, the only thing Terry Godwin's ever shown on punt is fair catch. Like he's never he, Terry Godwin is not a punt returner. Terry Godwin is a receiver. He's a possession receiver. Yeah. Uh, I just don't see a team using a second round pick. That's a guy Terry Godwin. I think will be drafted, and I think he will be drafted in the sixth round. But he's not. There's he is in the mold of. Um, I already forgot who was the last guy you said that I thought that wouldn't be that wouldn't go as high as the second round. Uh, Natres, yeah, Natres. He's in the mold of Natres, a guy that I would not, I would be shocked if he doesn't get drafted, but a guy that I cannot see possibly going in the first two rounds. So, yeah, fair enough. I, I'll, I'll give you to close out. I'll give you my my third most likely, I believe. And since I'm going last, I'll just mention that neither of us are going to say Jonathan Ledbetter, neither no. of us are going to say J.R. Reed, neither no. of us are going to say Julian Rochester. Uh, I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go with DeAndre Walker, uh, because I think it's an exact same scenario as Elijah Holyfield, where I think DeAndre Walker has not been allowed to show what he can do at the University of Georgia thus far in his career, and so I think, so that being said, we don't know what he can do. 
Now look, he made some he made some wow plays last year. And he is bigger and more physical than your typical speed rusher, which I think is a lot of what Georgia fans have him classified as. And sometimes I fall into the trap of thinking that he's just this off the edge pass rusher. Yeah. But he is a he's a big physical dude who can make tackles in space and can make tackles in a pile. So I think he's got a shot, but obviously pass rushing is going to be the thing that gets him drafted in the first two rounds. If he comes out here and has a great season, and look, he's going to be pushed by guys like Brent Cox, by guys like Walter Grant, by by these other guys who are going to be competing for time coming off the edge. But look, DeAndre Walker is hes the guy we're expecting to lead this yep. team in sacks. Yep. If he comes out and leads this team in sacks... The NFL GMs are not going to have a choice but to say, look, he was behind guys like Bellamy and Carter, so he didn't get an opportunity, but this is the only film we're going to have on him. So this is what people are going to be forced to assume he is. So this is, again, a year where DeAndre Walker, I think, could play himself out of the NFL draft altogether. Yep. And he could also play himself into the first two rounds. Yeah, I, I wanted to add Walker onto my list, and I wanted him higher up. But the more and more I thought about it, the more and more I thought of every other narrative we've talked about, the rotation on the defensive line, the guys coming off the edge and needing that. Uh, he he has to make the most of his opportunities when he's there to be able to do that, and I hope he does. Uh, I hope he's, he puts a consistent game film for everybody to watch. Um, we're going to be rotating a lot of guys coming off the edge, but of all the guys that were rotating coming off the edge— Going into the season, if you had to name one guy yeah. at outside backer who has to be on the field at a key situation, oh yeah, it's DeAndre Walker. Yes, hands down. And it's not even close. So somebody might outplay him. Brendan Cox, Walter Grant, Adam Anderson. One of these guys might outplay him as we move through the season. But right now, he is the go-to, has to be on the field in a critical situation Correct. guy. And so we just that's all we have to go on right now. So it's great. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, it will. All right, Daniel, wrap up the show. We got a trivia for you. Here's what I do. Trivia. Can't wait. Can't wait. Another I, another chance to embarrass myself in front of the another people. Another chance for Colin to say he's better than us. So Colin, get nice. ready. Correct. Uh, here we go. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you for the single season record holder for best season in categories I'm going to give you. Got it. Right? So, one year, not cumulative, not a single game, but single season leader for categories. Uh, are you ready, Daniel? Uh, yes. Not really, but yes. Let's start Let's start with, with something. Very, hey, I, I'm, let's ease into this, Daniel. Okay. Uh, like putting your toes in the water. Single season record for rushing yards is by who well i'll say it's herschel walker it is herschel walker correct well hot darn hot darn look at that year was i wonder who's i wonder who's number two on the list i'll Uh, guess herschel walker hey i wonder who's number three on the list keep going i'll guess herschel walker there you go that was a that was a gimme obviously 81 82 and 80 uh each one was 1600 yards or more um Single season for rushing touchdowns. What a man, though. What, yeah, Walker. Just, Can we just let's pause? 
single uh, season rushing, rushing touchdowns. Is touchdowns. it not Herschel Walker? Are you trying to throw me a curveball here? I set you up, Daniel. I set you up to get your mind on Herschel. I'm going to say Herschel. It's Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker is number two on the list. Wow. Is it? Yeah. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Okay. This shocked okay, wait. me. When I found this out, this absolutely shocked me. Herschel Walker, I know for a fact, has already murdered the person who's number one. So I'm <laughs> thinking just... <laughs> about someone who's dead currently. Um, I'm going to say somebody who didn't split a lot of time. I personally which friggin', love... Which is friggin' I... Herschel Walker. It's Is it Garrison Hurst? There you go. Garrison Hurst, number one. Most rushing touchdowns in a single season. Golly. The year was 1992, and the number was 19 rushing touchdowns. Herschel Walker had 18 in 81. I almost said Todd Gurley, too. Is Todd uh, Gurley on that list? Todd Gurley's 17. He's number three at 17. Oh, so only one less. Though. Two less than the leader, but one less. Correct. Yeah. Garrison okay. Hurst, by the way, growing up in on the West Coast, California, uh, Garrison Hurst was a Niner yeah. for a long time, and he big time Forty Nine er. Yeah, man, he was incredible. Um, all right, we're now going single season receiving yards, most receiving yards in a single season. This is tough. It was when, yeah, most receiving yards in a single season. We've said already on this podcast that if there's a question about receiving, you should always say A.J. Green. I know for a fact it's not A.J. Green. So I'm not tempted to say him. Uh, and I know it's somebody old. I know it's not somebody within the last decade. I know that the last 1,000-yard receiver, because we talked about this, on the podcast, I know the last thousand-yard receiver at Georgia was Terrence Edwards, and so I'm going to take a stab, and I'm going to say Terrence Edwards. Deduction has done you well, sir. Terrence oh, that a boy, Terrence, Terrence is the correct answer on that one. Well done, great, great job. Gosh, across the board, Terrence Edwards, man. Uh, just for ha-has, because we're here on offense anyway. This is almost as give me in my mind. Uh, who has the most passing yards in a single season for Georgia? Maybe I shouldn't have set you up that way. Maybe I just screwed you. Yeah, maybe you did. Maybe you did that on purpose. <laughs> maybe I'm that nefarious. Most passing yards in a single season. Gosh, is it Matt Stafford in 2007? Is it Aaron Murray in one of those years? Probably not. I'm going to say it's Matt Stafford. Yeah, I, I screwed you. Uh, this was only clear to me because uh, I started watching Georgia a little bit before. It's Aaron Murray in 2012. And it's the Aaron only reason Murray. Aaron Murray got drafted. He was, def he was definitely my second my second yeah. choice. But no, you were, you were there. I, I thought maybe you. that Muhammad Masakwai, uh Matt Stafford, I know there were a lot of there were a lot of receivers that caught a lot of balls in on that 2007-2008 teams. But anyway. All right. A couple more for you. Uh, we're going to go most sacks in a single season by a Georgia player. Well, the real answer is Boss Bailey, but we'll move on from that. 
Jeez. He's only he's only ahead by half a sack. I mean, when you get single season career, it's it's very neck and neck. It's very close. Uh, I'm gonna go. Gosh, the choice is to go. Uh, well, let me start waiting it out. Is it a new guy? Is it a recent guy? Is it the only two recent guys that I think would even have had a shot? Would have been Jarvis Jones that year and maybe Leonard Floyd. But I don't think it was Leonard Floyd and I don't think it was Jarvis Jones. So I'm gonna go with an old I'm gonna go with an older gentleman, all due respect, Richard. Mm -hmm. But I'm gonna say Richard Seymour. Uh, Richard Seymour is not correct, although that was a a great guess. Uh, you were you had his name on the tip of your tongue. It was Jarvis Jones in two thousand Dang, because that's still that's I betrayed myself there. I be, because that I've, I'm on record as saying that's my favorite performance in a single season by a University of Georgia defensive player that I've ever seen. That season, incredible. watching Jarvis Jones uh, fly around and make every play, it was Roquan esque. I know he was yeah. playing a different position and was asked to do different things, but it was Roquan esque. So I should have gone with my gut. You should have. You should have, Daniel. Well, you're batting you're batting fifty percent. Uh single yeah. season record holders. Uh if there's a new Colin out there who wants to put Colin to the test of his trivia, we would love to hear from you. And we want to uh we've never met Colin. Colin's a great guy. Colin, you're a great uh, I guy. Have, I have I I've met him. I've met him before, just to be just to be clear. Oh, you, Daniel, you he's a great him. guy. He is a great guy. Great. He's fantastic. a fantastic guy. He's a liar. But he's a great guy. But he's a great guy. Uh, so, lying lying aside, great guy. Yeah. If you want to dethrone yeah. Colin, please let us know that what you got on our trivia so that we can pitch you against our boy and see what he We does. should do an episode where we do a head-to-head listener trivia, where we get two listeners on simultaneously, and we do a head-to-head trivia challenge on an episode. Let's that would it. be phenomenal. Let's get it done. If you want to throw your hat in the ring, to be a part of our first ever listener cup for trivia, uh, let us know. We'd love to. We'd love to have you on the podcast. We, would, we really would. Uh, speaking of our listeners, we greatly appreciate you. We greatly appreciate it, as we say every week. If you would subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play uh, or SoundCloud or whatever uh, app you currently listen to podcasts on, if you leave us a rating or a review especially on iTunes because that's where the majority of people listen to their podcast. Uh, it would greatly help us out. Remember the feeling t- when we went into Nash or we went into Tennessee and we beat uh, the volunteers 41 to nothing that feeling that you had watching I remember that, game? that feeling. I that's remember that the feeling. same feeling you'll have writing us a review. You'll be elated to that level mm. by writing a review for It's certainly your... the feeling it's certainly the feeling we'll have. Yeah, we will I can't we will speak walk to away. You. Right. Personally, but we'll feel great about it. And Daniel, so, I just walking away, high fiving everybody. So please if do that. So. If that matters to you, uh, please, you could help us out greatly by doing that. Uh, let us know if you have hot takes on our hot takes. You can reach out to us on the aforementioned troll machine Twitter yeah. at Dogs Podcast. Uh, we would love to hear from you. 
troll us, uh, please. On there. We're asking you to. Don't. Just don't. <laughs> don't. Uh, that's it for us today. We will be back later this week with another episode as we creep closer and closer to college football.